Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the On3 studios here in Nashville, Tennessee. It is Monday morning, ready for another loaded episode of the Inside Scoop. Now, we got a fun show today. Recruiting is still in the dead period. But some big visits were set over the weekend and a couple new QB predictions. We're going to get into all of that. But first, the college football calendar could see a major change. On Friday, according to The Athletic, there have been, quote, advanced discussions about moving the early signing period to the Wednesday before the conference championship weekend. So in 2024, that would be December 4th. Moved it up about two or three weeks. And by moving the early signing period up, it would allow coaches to lock in their early signees before the transfer portal window opens, which has been a big topic of conversation all offseason. The reason for this is to clear up the football recruiting calendar so that the signing period and the transfer portal do not overlap. Does this actually help? We're going to dig into it with Andy Staples. We also have Director of Recruiting Chad Simmons on today. We'll also then head out to Oregon and talk with Ducks insider Justin Hopkins. All right, let's bring on on threes Andy Staples. Andy, does this help? No, it doesn't help. <laughs> what, when what are you going to fire your coach now? When are you going to hire your – like, that, this is the problem with the people who run college sports. Like, they – they can't ever figure out that there are certain things that you can't stop, so you need to work around them. This does not do that. This goes right into the teeth of hiring, firing season. So here's what will happen in real life okay. if you try to do this. So again, the original early signing period was not a bad idea. It got affected by other things that changed, including the transfer rules. So yes, that, that does change things a bit. But also the logic behind moving it earlier because of the transfer portal is dumb as well because you kind of want to know who you've lost in the portal because you might want to sign somebody else at that position before signing day or, or you know get a commitment yeah. before signing day. But the, the more important aspect of it is the coaching, hiring, and firing cycle. So here's what will happen. You have to have a coach in place before signing day. So you can't fire your coach after the end of the season and then have a search. You have to have your new coach ready to roll the second your season ends. So there will be no more firing coaches at the end of a, an underachieving season. They will be fired in October. They will be fired in early November, and that's fine. That's going on now. But what you don't see as much, you see vetting, you see kind of back-channel conversations, you don't see actual hiring or at least wink, wink, nudge, nudge hiring happening while coaches are still in season. Right. That's going to happen. Whether they're going to admit it or not, whether they're going to announce it or not, it's going to happen and it's going to be a problem because you're going to have people who are planning to leave for other jobs and know where they're going coaching teams. Mm. So 
from a recruiting perspective, just purely for the recruiting fans out there, do you think mm -hmm. this brings back the excitement for National Signing Day? Meaning, does this make for a bigger National Signing Day because it is a little bit earlier? Maybe a lot of these guys haven't made decisions, could be making decisions on no. National Signing Day? No, because it's championship weekend. <laughs> Listen, I love our recruiting fans. I do. But you know what's a lot bigger group of people? And it also includes the recruiting fans? The people who love the games once the players get on campus. Mm -hmm. It's championship week. It's a big, like, the NFL doesn't hold the draft on, the, on wild card weekend. There's a reason for that. Like, it would be much better at this point if they just went back to one signing day in February. And look, I'm a person who said early signing period's a good idea, and it was a good idea when it came into being, but things have changed. So it's better for everybody to just do it in February, and the people who want to go and be on campus in January can still do that. You, that. That doesn't change. But if you're trying to make a decision, then you, want, you, you can stretch it out to February. Then you know what's happened during the first transfer portal cycle. That's probably better for the recruit too. They have a better idea of what situation they're walking into. They'll definitely know who their coach is going to be and will have had a chance to get to know that person. Like all of that stuff would be helpful. If you want to do an early signing period, if you want to really do it for the people who just want to get it out of the way, put it before the season, put it in August, but they're never going to do that. Hmm. Uh, how, do you know how long the window is going to be open to sign when, if and when it opens on December 4th? It, it probably would be very similar to what they do now on the third Wednesday in December where you have, you know, that three-day period, and then you could go and, yeah, but and do the, it again. But, in I, but the reason I say that is because when they have it in the third Wednesday in December, that's the Wednesday before the Christmas holiday and, and when, it, when the whole world yeah. goes on break. If you have the signing window on December 3rd, technically, and, I, and you know, I don't know how the calendar is going to work, but there's still visit weekends in December that are available. The coaches want this to be dead. That's okay, the so they want okay, they so want, they want another December dead 4th period. and then for it to be dead. I was wondering if we were going to have yeah. a window open and then a period of two or three weeks where guys, they're still taking visits and guys sign. How about this idea? I like this. I think, this is a little wild, but you were kind of alluding to it. I think summer should be a signing period, meaning if you take an official visit and you want to mm -hmm. sign with the team at the end of the weekend, you can leave campus signed and sealed to that program. I, I have no problem with that. I actually wrote this in 2008 that they should eliminate signing day entirely. Like if a school wants to sign someone to a letter of intent, mm -hmm. do it as long as that person's in high school, they can do it. And I think at this point, they've gotten so flexible about who they release from letters of intent and if the coaching change happens and all that, they're not going to hold anybody to those. But at least it would it would help. And, and look, we're heading toward a situation where schools are going to be negotiating directly with players for NIL. Remember, the, the NIL rule, rules don't exist right now after that court ruling. We're also probably heading to a situation where players are employees and they're doing contracts anyway. Mm -hmm. You might decide you just want to sign that contract and be done with it. I, I think that's what we're headed toward anyway. So all of this is probably window dressing for what's coming. And they'll have to figure out if they want to have a day where you, you just sign the contracts or if you want to just sign anybody whenever you want to sign them. And I think realistically, doing it whenever you want to sign them would work. And I think it also would sort of 
eliminate the, the idea of the BS offer, the, the non-committable offer. Because if you, if you can just sign somebody, and this was, this was my reasoning back then, if you can just sign somebody, the person's going to say, all right, let me see the piece of paper. And if you don't hand them the piece of paper, they know that your offer's BS. <laughs> so do you think this, is it better or worse? We know it's not perfect, but having it replacing right. that third week in December, it's not perfect. But is a December 4, is it a step in the right direction or is it another two steps backward? Oh, it's way worse. It's stupid. It's, it, they are stupid if they do this and it, because of what it will do with the, with the hiring and firing cycle. And, and also because you're having a big news day. This is just me, the, the media person. Sure. You're having a big news day in the middle of one of your biggest weeks of the season. Put the big news day where there's no other news. So what does this mean for the February signing day? Are we still going to have it? Is it going to be just kind of a footnote? I mean, it already is kind of just a footnote. It's in a the footnote now. Yeah. yeah, it is. But is it going to be even more marginalized? Or do we I just get rid of it? It's more total? marginalized because I, I, we're only talking about a couple weeks difference here with the in December. I, I think the people who would have signed signed the third week in December will sign the first week in December. I, I don't think that's going to change. And then it's still it's basically like basketball, where in basketball most of the people sign in November. There's this cleanup period in April. And that's really what February is. February is to football what April is to basketball. All right, Andy. So all together now, the coaches have been asking for some relief. Does this do, does this do anything for what the coaches are asking for? If they make it dead, yeah. But honestly, if, they're, if they make it where transfers can, can take visits and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. then I don't know that that's going to help them very much because they're still going to be hosting transfers on, on, on officials and officials. And like it... The, the transfer portal is going to be so wild that they're still going to be dealing with a lot of the same stuff just in a different bag, essentially. Like you're dealing with players who've been in college versus players who haven't been in college, but a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same roster management stuff that you've been dealing with before. Uh, and I know they want to get rid of the, the December window or move the December window for the transfers. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. That, that window is where it is because most schools are on semester systems. Right. I, and you want to be able to start your new school in the spring semester. So uh, now the, the big joke we've had among the people who cover the sport is what, what SEC school is going to move to the quarter system just to maximize how many transfers they can take like that. You, you want to like, we, we, we joke about these schools being football factories and the caring more about football than school. The one that changes his entire academic calendar for football will be the one that wins. That, yep. That's that's the, the one I'm waiting for. But no, I, I think they they aren't going to be able to move the transfer portal window because somebody's going to sue them. And then, then, then there will be no transfer. Like once a lawsuit gets filed over that, as we've learned with the NIL right. rules and the transfer rules, once the lawsuit gets filed, there are no windows anymore. It's open all the time. So don't don't push them into filing that lawsuit. Crazy times. As the recruiting world turns, Andy Staples, thank you for keeping us updated on the latest rumors of a potential earlier, early signing period. We'll see what happens. We'll see all the unintended consequences that come with it. Andy Staples, thank you for dropping by the Inside Scoop. Thank you, Josh. We got Director of Recruiting for On3 with us today, Chad Simmons. Now, yeah. 
We're still in the dead period. No visits are allowed for another week or so. We are almost out of it, though. We got a lot of news to cover today, so I wanted to get Chad on this video. We're going to talk some QB dominoes and then hit on a few elite wide receivers. But first, you guys do me a favor right now. Hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel. We're here talking recruiting 365 days out of the year. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button for me. All right, bring on Chad Simmons. And Chad, I want to start with four-star quarterback Ryan Montgomery out of Finley, Ohio. And he got a prediction over the weekend from a Gamecock insider to South Carolina. Now, when we talked about him previously, I kind of thought he was going to come off the board in February. But it sounds like a decision is not coming anytime soon. He has said that once his hoops playoffs start, which starts on March 1st, he wants to drown out all distractions, put recruiting to the side, then take a couple visits in April. So what do you think is going to happen with his decision? And also, who do you think he wants to see in April right before maybe he makes a final decision? Yeah, Josh, I think Ron's been, you know, quote unquote, close to a decision for a while. I think obviously just inching towards slowly that finish line. I think he just wants to make sure he's 100 percent, you know, happy with that decision. It feels that school is 100 percent right for him and his family and his quarterback skill set and so on before he pulls the trigger. I think obviously we knew. Once he went into basketball uh, playoffs, his focus was there. They're obviously still playing. Uh, he'll go on spring break right after basketball season, kind of take that week to really just kind of reset things, kind of where he's at, where he wants to go uh, in the spring. But I think the two schools kind of remain front and center uh, going into those trips, and that's probably Florida and South Carolina. Obviously, Georgia's been mentioned there as well. Uh, they're involved with other guys like a Juju Lewis, a Matt Zollers, other guys on their board. Uh, I've always felt Florida and South Carolina were battling for that top spot for, for Ryan Montgomery. And, you know, I was told by a close source he'll take one, maybe two trips. So uh, if he takes one, it'll be very interesting what that means. Is it to Florida, maybe South Carolina? Does he go to both one more time? Uh, he has great connections with both staffs. He's very familiar with Columbia and Gainesville. I think both those schools are still right there fighting for that top spot. Yeah. Now, Ryan Montgomery, we're, we're talking QB dominoes. When one quarterback makes a decision, it'll impact another. How much of what Ryan Montgomery does will impact four-star quarterback Antoine Hill out of Warner Robins, Georgia? You know, it, obviously it depends on which way Ryan goes. Now, if he goes to South Carolina, likely no impact, um, you know, there because A.J. Hill still has that open spot at the University of Florida. Uh, if he goes to Florida, you know, I think A.J. has to divert and look a different route. There's other schools obviously on his radar, a one-time Colorado commit, but I think right now uh, A.J. Hill has been trending towards Florida uh, but I think Ryan comes off the board first. So I do think he has some type of impact on A.J. Hill's recruitment. I think Florida likes both. It looks like Ryan will likely make the decision first, and that could impact A.J. Hill. Yeah, it's crazy because I thought Hill was going to come off the board early as well, maybe a February, March decision there. Now, he already did make a decision in December, November. He committed to Colorado briefly about two or three weeks, then he decommitted. Since opening it up, it seems like Florida is kind of the team to beat. But he'll set two official visits, one to Texas A&M on June 15 and one to Duke on June 23rd. So does this mean that we're looking at maybe a July or August decision from Antoine Hill? 
you know, could be, you know, we could obviously things change. I, I think if you see Ryan Montgomery uh, go a different route, you know, outside that's not Florida, um, you know, that could speed things up with A.J. Hill, maybe with Florida. I think he feels very good about that staff with Billy Napier, Ryan O'Hara, uh, his teammate Peyton Joseph just committed to the Gators uh, earlier this month as well. So there's some real connections there. And uh, I think Florida remains really high on his list, but he's going to keep those relationships going. He's going to obviously A&M and Duke went down both late in January uh, to see A.J. Hill at Houston County, and he has relationships there with the, the new staffs at each school, with, with Elko, Manny Diaz, those guys at A&M and Duke. And I, I think you'll see other trips materialize in the spring for A.J. Hill. Georgia Tech's involved there, and he could return to Florida as well in the spring. So uh, I, I do think, you know, other schools are involved. He's going to keep those relationships building. But I do think Florida is that trendy pick still right now for A.J. Hill. All right. Let's move on to five-star quarterback Julian Lewis. We talked about him last week, Chad, and then I did a video on Friday about these visits that he dropped. Now he's going to go see he's going to go see a bunch of schools that he's already seen. March 8, Alabama, then Georgia, then Auburn, then Colorado, then USC on March 30th. I reached out to Julian. He tells me that all of these are unofficial visits, so he still has all of those official visits as well. What does this spring visit schedule tell you about his decision timeline? Just those are the schools that are still on his radar. Those are the schools that are, that are still competing with USC for Juju Lewis. I, I think, you know, I don't think he'll take OVs to those five. I, I think he'll take those five in the spring. There's been talk about him going back to USC for a spring game, maybe in April, maybe even Georgia spring game in April as well. Uh, nothing locked in for that month just yet. But I do think coming out of these trips in March, uh, he'll really maybe have a, a more clear picture about – who gets an OV? You know, we expect, obviously, USC to get one. I fully expect Georgia, who I think is USC's biggest competitor right now, to get one. Could he take three? Could he take four? I, I don't think he takes five. I don't even know if he gets to four. Uh, I do think he could take three. I think the one to watch, probably the most interesting one going into March, is Alabama, the first school he trips to. We know Bama's always been high on his radar uh, under the old staff with Nick Saban. Obviously, the change, uh, I think, has raised more questions for the Lewis family, kind of where they fit, how do they connect and relate with Sheridan, DeBoer, uh, that staff in Alabama, the turnover. Uh, they have a lot more questions now for that staff. To me, that's the most intriguing visit out of these five in March. We know he's been to Auburn and Georgia in January, Colorado as well. He's committed to USC. I think Bama's the one to watch here. Could they do enough to get him back for a second trip this spring or summer? All right. Now we're going to talk Houston Longstreet, the number nine ranked quarterback in the country. He's out of Corona, California, and he set a visit. He plans to visit Auburn on March 23rd. Auburn's making a priority. They really want him. Um, May or June decision, most likely. How big of a player is Auburn? Do you think that they have a legit shot to go into California and land a four-star quarterback? Well, well, it goes, obviously, along with the visit. How does the visit go? I think getting him on campus, obviously, is step number one. I think Auburn's still trying to identify, you know, their quarterback. Boy, they obviously like Longstreet. Other guys like Juju Lewis are in play. Uh, TJ Latif, another Orange County West Coast quarterback in California, is on their radar as well. Uh, Longstreet put out like a top eight, I believe, back in November. 
Uh, obviously, a lot has happened since then with coaching changes on that list. Multiple schools made head coaching changes. So I think that list has kind of been scrapped. I think the two teams right now, Auburn and Texas A&M, A&M had them on campus on February 3rd weekend for the first time. He'll be back uh, to College Station later on the spring and summer. Uh, for visits. I think they're kind of setting the pace. Auburn has a chance to make a pretty strong impression on him and his family coming up in a few weeks. So I think Auburn definitely is a player now in this race, getting him on campus to make that trip and follow through with it and then make a strong impression. We'll see what happens next after that. Yeah. Hey, Auburn has the wide receivers, so it makes sense that they're chasing after a top 10 quarterback. All right. Let's hit on a few wide receivers before I let you go, and let's stay in the state of California where I want to talk about Marcus Harris, the number 98 overall prospect in the on-three industry rankings. He's at Modern Day High School, and he got a Texas prediction over the weekend. Now the Longhorns are trending in his recruitment. Kind of thought this was an Oregon-USC battle. Um, is Oregon slipping in this one, and do you see any other teams across the country that could get involved? No, I don't think Oregon is slipping at all. I'm not ready to put a prediction in or even name Texas as a favorite. I think they're okay. obviously up there as we've talked about what we've done before. Inside Scoop fans, college football season is wrapping up and it also means that the NFL is winding down as well. But there's still some great games left in the season. And you know what's not great though? Finding last minute tickets. Finding last minute tickets, it can be a nightmare. Do not let this be the way your 2024 goes. That's why I'm here to tell you about game time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the big time matchups. The game time app is great. It's easy to use and it works in any city, any team. And you get the best price guarantee. Do not stress over getting into your team's favorite games anymore. There's only so many big games and you need to get these tickets at the best prices. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money. Zone deals, all right? This is where you pick a section and game time picks the seats for big savings. So here's what we're gonna do. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code INSIDESCOOP for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code INSIDESCOOP for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Those tier one groups, I think yeah. Oregon, Texas, you know, I would even put now Alabama with that new staff from UW who is recruiting Marcus Harris extremely hard at Washington in that group. And then I think Tennessee's up there too. But I do think if I had to give up maybe a top two or two teams that are up there at the top, I would think Texas and Oregon are, are safe picks there. He has great connection with that staff. He's been to Austin multiple times. Same with Eugene. He has connections there. We saw Texas go into modern day and get Brandon Baker, an elite tackle, uh, offensive tackle from modern day this last cycle in 2024. Oregon got Aiden Breland, Jack Ressler, two uh, players from modern day in 2024. He has connections to the staff. He likes the offensive scheme, the fit. So I think I don't know if Texas is the pick for the favorite today. Uh, the clear number one, but they're definitely high on his list. Uh, they'll get him in the spring. They should get an OV as well. I think Oregon, uh, they'll get obviously him in the spring. He already has that set up and then back for an OV as well in the summer. Uh, I think those two are battling at the top, but other schools like Alabama, 
Tennessee, Florida, numerous other schools are in the mix. You mentioned USC, Josh. I'll touch on that. I do not think he stays home as of right now. I think he leaves the state of California, whether he stays on the West Coast with a school like Oregon or heads to the Midlands like Texas or goes all the way east like Alabama and the SEC. I do think Marcus Harris leaves his home state. Uh, this is a recruitment that has been blowing up the last couple of months and turning into a national competition. Now, the next wide receiver we're going to talk about has been a national name for some time now, and that's Jamie French. He decommitted from Alabama. He's a five-star wide receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida. And the news over the weekend was that he scheduled a bunch of out-of-state visits. In the months of March and April, he's going to see LSU, Ohio State, Texas, and Tennessee. Now, we know Ohio State is in this, if not arguably the leader right now for Jamie French, but who of these out-of-state teams are you giving a shot besides Ohio State? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think a lot hinges on these trips, Josh. I mean, right now, I'm not ready to say really anybody out-of-state is competing with Ohio State. I think the one team that is competing is the in-state school, Florida State. Uh, but going back to the out-of-state schools, you know, I, I think he has communication with Bryce Underwood, the quarterback at LSU. He has communication with George McIntyre, the quarterback committed Tennessee. Uh, I mean, the, the school maybe I've heard the most about that's on that list is, is Tennessee. Uh, that obviously intrigues him. Uh, it's closer to home. Uh, it's in the SEC. It's in the South. Easy to get to. Uh, but I think a lot really hinges on how he feels on these different campuses, whether it be Baton Rouge, Austin, Knoxville, I know how he feels about the Buckeyes in Columbus at Ohio State. I think Brian Hartline is doing an excellent job there. Obviously, we got you know, Jeremiah Smith last year, Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, other guys from the Sunshine State at receiver in recent years. But I think I'm not ready to say really who the biggest competition with is Ohio with Ohio State as far as out-of-state schools go until we take these trips and kind of see what kind of feedback I get. Uh, now, you you mentioned that you thought Florida State was maybe Ohio State's biggest competition when it comes to the in-state schools. Now, we know Miami and Florida also heavily involved. What is it about FSU? Is it location? Because he is down the street in Jacksonville, about two hours from Tallahassee. Or is it the fact that his quarterback is committed to FSU? Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are in his ear every day. Obviously, Tramel Jones is there at Mandarin. They played in the state championship together, been there uh, in high school together the last few years. They have that, that not just friendship, but they had that quarterback receiver relationship. So they know each other, uh, the timing, uh, all those little things make a big difference, a big impact. So uh, I do think multiple reasons, though, there's that is why Florida State is, I think, I think even he's committed to Alabama late in the process before he opened things back up. I felt Florida State maybe had the advantage, but like since the, the January visits at school, things have kind of swung back towards Ohio State and he backed off that pledge to Alabama. But I think Ron Dugans, Mike Norvell, Norvell, what he's doing at the program uh, at Florida State 13 and 0, ACC champions last year um, before the bowl game. You have Tramel Jones. And I think just the fact he sees the chance to go there, that Florida State will get the ball 
to their wide receiver one. If it's, if you're a key on Coleman, you'll get the ball in crunch time. They'll go to you in the red zone. They'll feature you in that scheme. And that's what Jamie wants to be. He wants to be that Marvin Harrison. Uh, he wants to be that Malik Neighbors. He wants to be that key on Coleman. That's what he's looking for as far as uh, the featured in the uh, college program, the college offense, also player development. NFL is the number one goal. But I think a lot of things help Florida State with Jamie French. Yeah, this has big Jeremiah Smith vibes. It seems like it's Ohio State versus the big three in the state of Florida, and it's a battle to keep him in while Ohio State is the perceived leader, just like the way Jeremiah Smith's recruitment went. We'll see what happens now. Of course, Jamie French not committed to Ohio State like Jeremiah Smith was, but there's a long way. We'll see what happens. Chad Simmons, thank you for dropping by today on the Inside Scoop. Appreciate you. Yeah, man, anytime. The nation's number two ranked linebacker, Jonah Williams, has locked in a visit to Oregon next month. He's a top 15 player overall, but is he a duck lean? And also, is Oregon fading for a top wide receiver target out of Texas? We got Justin Hopkins on the show today to talk some Oregon recruiting. But first, Duck fans, hit that subscribe button for me. We're talking Oregon Duck recruiting all offseason long, and we need you to be a part of it. So hit subscribe for me, please. All right. Bring on Duck Insider Justin Hopkins, and we're going to start with five-star linebacker Jonah Williams. Locked in that return visit to Eugene. He'll be there March 17th. So, Justin, who is the Ducks' biggest competition here, and do you think this will be the last visit Williams takes to Oregon before a decision? Yeah, it, it feels to me like Williams is taking the process very slowly and very methodically. So, you know, in terms of, like, who the team to beat is, I almost don't know at this point. He seems to have done a good job keeping things under wraps. I think Oregon's done a great job getting him on campus multiple times. That's a start. But if if that's any indication of his recruitment, I think, you know, this next round of visits might help him, mm -hmm. you know, decide which schools he wants to visit in the fall if he takes his recruitment that, that far. I also think we're seeing a trend with a lot of these top recruits that even when they do commit and they are pretty solidly committed, they still take a couple visits in the fall uh, just in case because, as we know, the coaching carousel is absolutely wild. Transfer portal is wild. So I think it's almost one of those things, you know, better safe than sorry for some of these recruits. That, to me, is what it looks like could happen with Williams. I think, you know, you'll see him take this next wave of visits. Maybe he makes a decision in the summer, maybe not. But I think you'll see end of the fall that there's probably two or three or maybe even four teams continuing, you know, to push for him. So heading into these all-important spring visit months, who do you think is the Ducks' biggest competition? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at Texas. They're definitely a serious threat. You've got to look at Alabama, some of those, you know, just always in the game, right? It seems like we talk about the same group of school uh, schools all the time, Ohio State and Oregon and Texas and, and Alabama and Georgia are kind of always at the top of the, of the chain. But that, mm -hmm. that seems to be kind of uh, continuing with Williams once again as well. All right. Let's head to the state of Texas, and that's where we find top 100 wide receiver Marcus Harris. And over the weekend, he got a prediction to Texas. Now, my question to you is, is this just kind of the ebbs and flows of recruiting, or do you feel that Oregon's losing ground right now during the dead period? Yeah, I could see Oregon losing a little bit of ground there because, uh, quite frankly, they have two receivers committed already. Um, you know, they're trending for a couple air, uh, yeah, others. Uh, you know, true. Cooper Perry's one. I mean, they're in the game with a lot of these topics. Corey and Moore has visited Oregon multiple times already, committed to LSU. So 
Um, you know, for me, the way I see it with Oregon recruiting, they do a really, really good job giving themselves a lot of options at, at any position group. And then that way, if, you know, like a Marcus Harris commits to Texas or whatever, yeah. you know, they're not left standing there empty handed. So this certainly looks like something that could be trending Texas direction. Uh, great player would be a great get for them. Um, you know, but Oregon, meanwhile, is in really good shape at the wide receiver position and recruiting wide receiver this cycle so far. Yeah, going to have to get him back on campus, and hey, they just might do that. Now, let's move out to California and talk about four-star linebacker Nasir Wyatt, the number 42nd-ranked player overall, the number four linebacker. He's out of Modern Day High School, and he set some visits. March 5th to USC, March 9th to Ohio State, March 26th to Miami, April 6th to Tennessee. Oregon, though, trending in this recruitment at 97% on the recruiting prediction machine. Any concern over these scheduled trips? You know, at the moment, not necessarily. I think this was kind of the case, always expected to be the case. I will be very interested to see with Wyatt if this is kind of that last group of visits for him before he makes a decision. I think a, mm -hmm. a lot of us, including myself, thought a decision could have been made by now. He's yeah. taking more visits, obviously, as we're talking about it. And you kind of wonder if, if this is the next wave of visits for him and maybe the, uh, the end of his recruitment. Again, I know we talked about this with Jonah Williams earlier. I could see him making a commitment, then possibly taking a visit or two in the fall just to make sure that all his bases are covered, yeah. um, you know, in case anything happens with, you know, the school he commits to. But right now, I do, I do think still headed into these visits, he's organs to lose. Yeah, you know, Nasir Wyatt, I thought maybe a decision would come late February, early March. It seemed like it, that was the direction he was heading. But now I see April 6th on there, that visit to Tennessee. So now I got to think that that window for a commitment is April 6th or beyond. So this thing goes another month or so longer than maybe we thought it would. Um, let's talk about when recruiting is going to start heating up in Eugene, though. When can we start to expect to see some more commitments? I mean, Duck fans are all over recruiting, but hey, we, Justin, we need some action. Yeah, they don't like these dry spells, uh, if you will. So, uh, yeah, you know, for Oregon, Oregon's uh, very unique in how they attack the spring calendar. Uh, because of the quarter system, they will actually come and have just a couple of spring practices, two or three, and then they'll take a break for a couple of weeks and, and everybody will go on spring break, including all of the football team. And then they'll come back and finish their spring ball predominantly in the month of April with a mm -hmm. spring game at the end of April. So, I guess to answer your question, they'll do some recruiting in that spring break, if you will. But I think they will use the month of April to really attack the recruiting trail for two reasons. First off, you will be you know, you will have spring practices almost every every day uh, in the month of April. You will have the spring game at the end of April, which they will circle and do their best to highlight. Um, and then, you know, lastly, you want those kids on campus to see them, you know, while they're actually uh, practicing and show them what it's like. And along with that, that gives you a chance to maybe be the last visit or closer to the last visit if you're Oregon, potentially with some of those later April visitors. So I know that's a whole month away and there will be stuff that happens in March, but I have April circled as a very big month for recruiting. All right, there you have it. And we know that Jonah Williams will be in town March 17th, so that'll probably be an exciting weekend. Uh, one last question, a little housekeeping here. Uh, on Scoop Duck, do you do your prediction Tuesday in the dead period, or is it? do you take a break during the dead period on predictions? It's a little harder to do in the dead period. I love you know to do it, and that's, off, that's usually when I predict 
guys to other schools, which I don't love to do a bunch of. So, you know, kind of some filler, if you will. But yeah, we still get some up here and there during the dead period as well. All right. Well, we're only dead for another week or so, and then it'll be back live with the contact uh, period starting in early March. Justin Hopkins with Scoop Duck. Thanks for dropping by the Inside Scoop today. Thanks, Josh. Thank you for watching this video. And if you enjoyed that, go check out the hundreds of videos that we have on this channel. And also do me a favor, hit subscribe to the On3 Recruits channel.